Welcome to the Fields of Success podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner, business owner, and rural Ontarian, Brian Hilt, to hear stories of how successful entrepreneurs navigated the challenges on the path to success, and get insights from business consultants and professional advisors about continuing to grow and operate a successful business. Here's your host, Brian Hilt. Greetings. Welcome to the Fields of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hilt. Today, I'm excited to have a special guest with me, Dr. Keila Rosner, a naturopathic doctor located in Stratford, Ontario. So good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And well, I'm excited. Um, As I said before we started recording, I don't know much about your area of medicine at all. Um, I've had no experience with it. And so I'm excited to learn about it and hope all the listeners are as well. So let's start maybe today and then we'll work backwards. So could you tell us a bit about the business today, what services you offer, if you employ anybody, et cetera, and then we'll kind of back up to how you got into the field. So as a naturopathic doctor, I have been in practice for over five years. I just had my five-year anniversary birthday last week, actually. And I'm in beautiful downtown Stratford, Ontario, which is not quite my hometown, but it certainly is now. And as a naturopathic doctor, I thrive on helping busy people and their families improve their energy, balance their hormones, sort out stubborn digestive issues that are ruining their life, and finally get a good night's sleep. But the reason that I do that is so that we can be really powerfully focused in our business and do the work that feeds our families, but then still have the energy and the brain span and the attention to give to the people that we love most, our families, our communities, our, um, our, our higher self. So what we do is really quite practical. And uh, I'm a little bit different than working with your traditional family doctor. There is a strong role and a value to having a team around oneself. And I think often as business owners, we can kind of get stuck in the, I can do everything. And that's a real trap. But uh, as business owners or just busy people, we have unique needs and it's very valuable to have a team-based approach so that you're working with some people that can maybe help you identify your blind spots when it comes to your health or maybe how you're overspending your energy or developing a caffeine habit or what have you and have some good practical resources to turn to so that you can start to feel not just normal, but better than before. So in naturopathic medicine, we have this real value that our body knows what it needs to do to heal itself, that our body is always able to recover. And often we just need to get out of our own way. So we look at doing the things that help to build a good foundation for health and doing what we need to do so that uh, we can recover, that we're getting adequate movement and sunlight and good mental health, that we belong to a community, we have some expression of spirituality so that uh, our body can do what it's designed to do versus um, and trying to avoid the higher impact interventions like medications and surgeries wherever possible. Now, those things certainly do have their place. I'm not the one to go see if we get a gunshot wound, but if we can minimize a lot of those risks early, early on, we stand a much better chance of really and truly thriving. So uh, the structure of my business, I am a solopreneur. I have been from the beginning. Um, which means that I see clients in my downtown office uh, currently three days a week. And that usually looks like anywhere from 10 a.m. until leaving the office, maybe nine o'clock at night. And then the rest of my week is spent on writing and blogging and doing outreaches and community events and then growing a huge garden at home. So um, I run my own practice. I tend to see anywhere between 25 and 40 people a week. And I have a client base of, I think, close to a thousand now. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite an adventure from where we started to where I'm at uh, today. And fortunate enough that my wonderful husband, who had had the background in 10 years in landscape construction, 
uh, recently graduated as a registered massage therapist and has now joined our practice. Um, we are located at the Space Within, and uh, it's one of my favorite things now to be able to geek out over our clients' health concerns and be able to take care of things from a, a physical strength angle and uh, a physiological angle that I take care of. Wow. That's <laughs> but very interesting. I I took, well, my notebook isn't that big, but I took a half a page of notes there. So I guess I'm going to, I think, come to most of these throughout the conversation. So I'm going to keep them there for now. But so that's where you are today. Um, let's back up to kind of the beginning and walk through why'd you get into this field of medicine? What led you to start your own practice in beautiful Stratford, Ontario? And, and then I'll probably dive into some more of these questions. <laughs> sure. Uh, so both of my families come from rural farming backgrounds as well as entrepreneurial backgrounds. Both my parents are musicians that traveled Canada and had the, the great opportunity to uh, stay in a number of different communities. So I had um, a very stereotypical, wholesome, but also kind of obscure childhood where um, we worked in a number of family businesses selling all kinds of things. And uh, I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Western Ontario in health sciences. And I actually had a major in focus on rural health sciences. So what got me very uh, intrigued initially was what the differences are between people living in rural communities like Perth County or Bruce County or Gray County. And uh, how does that affect our well-being? Well, we know that we usually have to drive a lot further to get to where we need to go. So we're spending more time on the road. Sometimes that's more time in arenas, eating less than wholesome food, more time spelling gasoline because we're just filling up our fuel all the time. Um, and there's a real shortage of rural family doctors. So sometimes our access to health or mental health care is uh, not quite the same as if we're living in a more urbanized area. And that was initially my goal was to be the rural family doctor that did home visits, the little black bag. Um, that was always my goal from the youngest time I can remember. So when I went to uh, university, I got sick. I got very sick when I was 19 years old and I started losing handfuls of hair, which um, <laughs> is kind of a scary thing when you're an otherwise healthy teenage girl and you show up at a hospital losing hair and you can't breathe. Um, so that happened to me. And I ended up at one of the best uh, teaching hospitals and they kind of said, ah, we don't know, go home. I think you're fine. <laughs> so that completely shifted my uh, point of view. And I have the most immense respect for trauma hospitals and facilities that deal with these uh, huge farming accidents and traffic accidents. But I thought on a day-to-day -day basis, if someone's having a chronic illness or they can use some reassurance and something's not right, but it's not as acute as an accident, this is not how I want to be practicing if this is the pinnacle of medicine. So I immediately did some soul searching. I sent back my pounds of licensing exam textbooks that we needed to study for uh, medical school entrance exams. And I came across naturopathic medicine, which initially I was very uh, skeptical of. But uh, in doing further research, and I'm very diligent as soon as I find something, I attack it like a bulldog. And I thought, wow. So naturopathic medicine is really based on, as we mentioned, getting out of our own way. So we use tools like nutrition. How are we feeding our body? And how are we moving our body? Are we getting enough exercise? Are we getting enough rest? Are we sleeping? Is there a difference between laying down on the couch and actually sleeping? Um, we use tools like botanical medicine, so herbs, which many pharmaceuticals have their basis in herbal medicine. Um, we use homeopathy and acupuncture, which is so fantastic for so many health concerns, acupuncture. And then um, in addition, in my training, I have taken additional training in pharmaceuticals. So I understand inside and out how many pharmaceutical medica medications that many of my clients may be on work. And then that also means that I have certain access to some prescription medications like thyroid hormones or hormone replacement therapy. So mm. it's certainly a little bit of a niche. 
And um, the alternative health field or complementary health field, as it's more accurately called, is growing. It is a huge, massive sector, um, not even just in Canada, but worldwide, where people are looking for other answers and they want to and should feel confident in knowing that the people that they are getting in touch with have a good foundation and that are held accountable to somebody and have their best interests at heart and know when to dig in and when to refer on elsewhere. So uh, on that note, when I initially graduated, I went to University of Western Ontario, and then I found the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, which is a four-year postgraduate doctor of naturopathic medicine degree in Toronto. There are only seven accredited schools in North America, maybe eight by now. And um, the training there is fascinating. It's very similar, at least in the first year or two, to traditional medical school. And a number of my closest friends were in medical school at the same time. So it was so fascinating to compare notes about our like anatomy dissection labs and what's going on in sciences and our basic sciences are really quite similar. But then we spent uh, so many extra hours learning about traditional Asian medicine theory and acupuncture and nutrition and all of these things. And then we really kind of diversified our training in our last years. And my fourth year was spent almost entirely working with clients. Um, And in that field, I worked at the Anishinaabe Health Center in Toronto. So I was working with a lot of urban native residents and they were wanting to do some traditional spiritual healing, but also maybe had diabetes and hypertension. So we would do some acupuncture, maybe some herbal remedies for them. And it was just amazing to see that um, transition. And then after graduating that program, we had three sets of licensing exams, Ontario and North American wide. And then I became a member of the the College of Naturopaths of Ontario, which is our regulatory board that we answer to if anything goes wrong. I opened up my practice um, in another healthcare facility in Stratford. After about 10 months, I moved on to start my own practice because with my personality, I'm very driven and entrepreneurial and I, it's, I find it a little bit challenging to work under somebody else. And I, I just wanted a certain client experience when somebody comes to see me. They don't want to feel sick and rushed and agitated. They want to come to a calm and peaceful building and have somebody take care of their needs and hear them and provide them access to proper assessments and creating an intelligent plan with them to start getting better. So that's been my evolution over the past uh, five years. I've just had such great joy and such gratitude to be able to learn from some of the greatest teachers in our fields. I'm the next three weekends at different conferences in Toronto and in Ontario, learning more about women's health and being a better health entrepreneur and the latest and greatest in digestive health and autoimmune health. That's what gets me going. (laughs) (laughs) And and I can probably see that more so than the listeners because I can we can see each other right now via the video. And uh, but you're very enthusiastic about it. That's quite obvious, which is <laughs> which is great. Who is it? Was it? I don't know. I think it was maybe Steve Jobs who said, "If you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life." I could be crediting him wrongly on that, but uh, that quote comes to mind. It seems that you're definitely doing what you love to do. Or as an entrepreneur, you find what you love and you do it all the time and you think about it as you sleep. <laughs> and it is work, but at least you love the work that you're doing. I hear you. Yes, I do. I do indeed. It sounds like you are... I listen to some other podcasts. There's one podcast I listen to. It's for financial planners, but the typical person is start listener is starting their own firm. They've left a larger firm and often the host talks to them. And then he uses a line where he says, basically you're just unemployable because you want to have your own client experience. You want to have it this way. And you basically became unemployable, not because of lack of skills, but because you have this drive to have your own firm and build it the way you want. Sounds like that was kind of your experience as well. You kind of just, and I would never look back. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hear you. So I'm really intrigued by this. So I have a by this page time a whole page of questions. So I'm going to touch on a few of them and then kind of work through them. And we'll see. I guess this is the fun of podcasting is none of this was scripted ahead of time. So I have to kind of weave this together. So I'm going to, I guess, first off, start with a comment. It seems you commented that the complementary medicine field as a whole is growing. And I think from an from the outside looking in, not being in the field, but I think I can see that a lot um, in in our family's experience, I guess. I don't know if this would fall under complementary medicine or not, but I think of the field of midwifery and seems to be growing by leaps and bounds where as it should be when I was growing up in I grew up in the states but when I was growing up I can't I don't even think that there was a midwife around hmm. um, and now the midwife clinic here in Blythe in Huron County is super busy and we've utilized their services for both of our children and the one who's on the way now um, and had great experience yeah so November 22 so <laughs> got to get the episodes recorded right <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's just a comment in passing. You mentioned a uh, interest in rural health. Have yeah. you had any um, done any work, or are you familiar with the work of the Gateway Center of Excellence in Rural Health there in Seaforth? I've heard in passing, but no, forgive my ignorance. I'm very much tunnel visioned in the world of health, but I'd be happy to learn more. Yeah, I don't. I can't say I know an exhaustive amount about them. I. Uh, encountered them at a seminar at one point. And it was really intriguing to me because basically it seems that they're trying to study the things that you referenced where in rural Ontario, you know, we may not have some of the stereotypical pollution aspects of city things, but what other things do we have? If you're spraying crop chemicals on a crop, if mm-hmm. you're, you know, those things, are you sitting down all day in a tractor versus just sitting at a desk and what are the pros and cons? Um, and it seems to me, they said that at one point life expectancies in rural Ontario are lower. And so why is that? And, uh, you know, looking at seniors and stuff. So anyways, what you said seemed very similar. So maybe there you go, check, check it out and see, maybe you'll have some, uh, some commonalities there. Absolutely. So I'm going to circle back and kind of try to flesh out somebody comes to you and what does, what does their experience, I guess, look like? And I guess in a roundabout way, it seems that I imagine that it's maybe similar to when somebody starts working with even a financial planner, we start looking at cash flow. You know, what, mm-hmm. what is your day-to-day spending going? You know, do you know where it's going? And putting that together. And in your case, I imagine maybe it's somewhat similar where what are you doing on a daily basis? You know, that type of stuff. So maybe kind of walk through that a little bit if you could. Sure. So there tends to be kind of three groups of people that come to my office. The first being the wellness warrior. These are people, they may be entrepreneurs, but are often very driven in different areas of their life. Or maybe they have a family history of breast cancer, for example, or heart disease or thyroid issues, which comes up very commonly actually in rural areas. Um, When they want to prevent things, they're maybe also going to a yoga studio. They maybe see a massage therapist pretty regularly. Um, They see their family doctor only occasionally if there's an acute thing coming up. And they're looking at gaining some really practical tools for what they need to do to keep themselves and their families healthy. And they're really on the preventative edge. And these are fantastic clients to work with because nothing is on fire right now. And the double-edged sword of it is that we can have them feeling maybe even better than when they start. That's the whole point. But we don't always know in the preventative world what other crises we've avoided. We don't know that, hey, maybe we've reduced your cancer risk by 30%, which is really significant. We don't know that, hey, you are on track towards a heart attack or that you are on track towards some other thing or that we avoided four other medications for mood support. We don't know that. But uh, this is a really interesting demographic to work with. Probably the typical person or type of person that I work with is somebody that already has a number of health concerns 
And they've presented to their family doctor a number of times with this. And their family doctor does what's in their scope. They prescribe what is recommended by their guidelines. And still these people don't feel well. And the typical person that I work with is a female, maybe in her 40s, that has a number of hormonal concerns. Maybe she's noticing some changes in her cycle and she's wondering, am I too young for menopause? Or what is this? Why am I a moody person? And I hate it when my husband asks and says, is it that time? And you go, yes, but don't tell me that. Or maybe has a number of really stubborn digestive issues like irritable bowel syndrome and they're in pain and suffering. and on medications or they can't sleep. They just don't feel like themselves and they're looking for second or third or fourth opinions. And I love working with this area because there's a huge difference between someone that used to take 90 minutes to fall asleep and someone that's now falling asleep in 10 minutes or someone that used to have extreme bloating and digestive upset that was literally ruining their life that doesn't anymore. So we can really see with this group these changes over time. And then the last group that I tend to see is somebody that has maybe tried everything. They've seen the specialists, they've been to so many other practitioners, but it just hasn't worked. And what I love about this group is the people that come and say, I know I can get better. I'm just not sure what those steps are. So in those cases, we really try to get down to the bare basics. So what the heck is going on with you? And have you had the proper assessments done? And what do we need to do to get you back on track? So when any of these three groups or anything in between, I see everything from a 10 day old baby that I had earlier this week. Um, and I also saw the mother and the grandmother, which is awesome to my oldest patient, I think was 94. So a whole age range and uh, the process looks like somebody getting some clarity first off about why they're coming in. And usually before I take on a client, I book a health discovery session with them, which is free because I want to make sure that if I'm working with a client, that we're a good fit for one another, their head is in the game. They know why they want to be feeling better. And I say this not to sound really judgmental, but I don't want to spend a lot of my time and energy as a business owner working with someone one-on-one and also their families to get a blueprint for health so that they can feel better to continue doing things that don't work for them, to continue sitting on the couch and feeling bad. But we want to work together so that you can go out and start that business or so that you can get up and down on the floor to play with your grandbabies or go on that bucket list trip with your partner, or so that when you come home after doing the job that you love, or maybe the job that you don't love, and you have the best of yourself left for the people that you care most about. So I'm very selective with who I take on, as I imagine you must be as well, and any of us that work kind of in the service industry. And that first initial session, we talk about and get some clarity on one's health goals. And we talk about Um, what my approach to naturopathic medicine is, and then what that might look like going forward. And our initial step then is we book a 90-minute initial visit. And that is a heck of a lot more time in a small room with a healthcare provider than most people have had before. The whole goal there is to get a bird's eye view of what is going on with their health. And I firmly believe that the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, how we eat, move, sleep, think, how we wear our stress, um, is our head on straight. Those day-to-day unconscious things that we do turn into our habits, turn into our belief systems, turn into our values, they turn into our destiny. So we want to have some awareness of this. We don't want to just be flying blind. So we look at this, we review a health history, we do physical exams. As a naturopathic doctor, I can do physicals, I can make diagnoses. I can refer out for blood work. I can communicate with other healthcare providers and make some recommendations for prescriptions when it's in my scope. But at the end of that first visit, usually people leave with their head full of information, everything written down so they can refer back to it and some good follow-up homework so they can explain what the heck just happened to their families so they're on board. And a couple of things to do, a couple of things to try and some additional assessments to get some clarity before we jump into taking a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that offer some clarity, Brian? It does. And I, <laughs> and more I, questions. 
Well, and I'm struck by, really am, by a lot of the similarities, I think, between my practice, between um, your practice. And we sit down, have an introductory meeting, and we talk about, you know, are we a good fit together? What do you actually want out of, you know, meeting with a financial planner? Is, Is your goal to buy the hottest stocks every week? Well, then we're not the right fit. Or is your goal to talk about your values and know what what your money actually means to you and what you want to accomplish? And then we build something that helps you accomplish that, really generating a, I guess I would say, a return on your life more so than just a return on your money. And money Mm -hmm. is a tool in there. And so you're trying to look at it from a financially holistic standpoint where you're, it seems, looking at it from a holistic health standpoint. And so there's, I'm just, I guess I'm struck by the similarities there that something I guess I didn't expect. So somebody comes in and meets with you and they leave, they have this homework, et cetera. And then they come back in and like I meet with people say on a six month or quarterly basis or depends on the person and what stage they're at in life and what's all going on. Is it kind of the same thing? You set up a regular regular meeting and to kind of keep things going on track? Similar, but my end goal with taking on any client is to ultimately get them so well so that they know what to do when things come up, that they stay the heck out of my office. But initially we're not there. I I liken what we do to working with a trainer or a coach or even a piano teacher where we can get a lot of value out of one lesson or one session or an assessment, but it's that ongoing accountability and uh, where we were meeting more frequently to assess what's going on, to try some things, to troubleshoot, see what happens and then evolve. As a healthcare practitioner, I know uh, sometimes that at the alternative health field, a naturopathic doctors sometimes get a reputation for prescribing a lot of supplements, which again are different than pharmaceuticals. But um, the goal in my practice is never that you're on tons of things forever and ever. It is that you are on maybe a core of foundations that help you your brain work better, keep your stamina up so that you are sleeping and being the best version of yourself you can be because we've already put out the fires. Mm -hmm. So initially it's often putting out fires and addressing the targeted issues and then moving right along so that you can keep on growing and thriving and doing what you're doing. So when we get somebody to that maintenance phase, I might check in with them twice a year, but initially I might see somebody once a month or even once or twice a week if we're doing a series of acupuncture to help them sleep or deal with a shoulder issue or a digestive issue. Very interesting. I could ask a load of questions about the field itself. I'm getting, (laughs) there's just lots of them that come to mind. And I guess my background in law enforcement was asking questions a lot of times. So, but I'm going to put a hold on that because I do want to talk as well about the business aspect of it because it is a business. Mm -hmm. And so I guess when I think about it, um, one of the first things that comes to mind, is there much for competition as a naturopathic doctor? Is there, you know, much for competition in the area or, I mean, are there a couple here or there that are overwhelmed with the number of people they could serve? Ah, well in, uh, in Ontario, we have the largest kind of population of naturopathic doctors in Canada, I believe, and certainly many of them are centered around the greater Toronto area. And as a field, predominantly female, I know with my class, we had 120 people, and I think 105 of them were female. (laughs) And we're often younger. So to get really good um, demographics on who the NDs are, it's challenging because many are around childbearing age. And like many other self-employed people, what we consider a full week for us might be different than somebody that is working a nine to five. So you see a lot of people that are part-time or have irregular hours or have been in the game so long that they just kind of call their own shots. So we are so fortunate in Perth County. I think I am one of six or seven naturopathic doctors, which is so fantastic. And I have never ever felt a sense of competition. Many of the NDs locally, I go to conference with, And we sit beside or we chat about uh, certain clients um, because we'll often see that a client maybe sees somebody and then moves on to find a better fit and they evolve. But it's more of a a sense of helping and helping to elevate 
just wellness in general, as opposed to hoarding patients or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, that was the first part of your question. What was the, the second part? <laughs> um, I think you pretty much answered it. It was kind of just the idea of, you know, is there a lot of competition from a business standpoint? Are there lots of doctors, I guess, naturopathic doctors that it's, and I guess the follow-up to that then is how do you typically acquire new customers, patients, I guess, whatever term you would use, is it referrals from chiropractors, medical doctors, massage therapists? Is it people Googling something and coming upon a blog post you made? Like, how are you developing business? Well, one piece of advice that I heard when I was brand new in practice is it's all about referrals, which is great, except when you're brand new and nobody knows who you are. Or in my case, when I graduated, I was 25. I was, I think, like the youngest or the second youngest naturopathic doctor in Canada. So you come out feeling like this kid that knows nothing. But of course, we've been through, I'd been through seven years of post-secondary education and licensing exams that uh, turned my hair gray. So referrals come with time. And certainly a large part of my practice influx is referrals from some of the psychotherapists that I work with and uh, other local naturopathic doctors. I have a great referral network with another local ND because I take care of a lot of hormone prescribing for women And that's not within everybody's scope, but it is with mine because I've taken additional training. But um, when you're brand new, one thing that I took a hold of and seized was technology. And I am a huge fan of leveraging technology wherever possible. And it's how I'm able to run my practice as a single person. Um, So things like online booking and having a strong social media presence. And uh, when you're not actively in with a client, Initially, I was spending my time marketing. So going out and booking talks, going to Chamber of Commerce events, going around and literally shaking the hands of so many of my other local business owners downtown. And I think that really set a good reputation. And one of the coolest things about being in a small rural community is I run into my patients in the grocery store. They see what's in my grocery cart, or I see them when I'm at the gym or just out for a walk, whether or not I have makeup on, whether or not I'm digging in my garden or, you know, building a fence or renovating. So you have to have this kind of consistency with how you conduct yourself personally and professionally, because there really isn't that dividing line. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So a huge combination of meeting people in person and being a real person and then utilizing technology so that when I get to the point that I am maybe bringing in staff, they're not doing menial jobs that a computer can do. They can do meaningful work that elevates our practice and offers an even better experience to our clientele. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It does. Yeah. And uh, once again, it resounds with, I think the, it's probably the same with almost starting any sort of service-based practice where you're not offering a specific product where the competition is primarily on price or whether you're the person who has it or not in stock, but you're selling a service that comes down to a feeling and somebody's you know, health and such. And so it takes some education. And, and so I've been on your website, I've seen your blog and, you know, your posts and stuff, the articles you've, you've written and uh, yeah, very interesting. And so now you mentioned at one point that you have somewhere around a thousand clients. I think and, so. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot, like from a, a financial lot. planning standpoint, I think, oh man, I could never deal with that. Like I I'm capping at 75. So, <laughs> so, but that's, that's fantastic. Then I've seen, I'll clarify over the course of five years, I'm not actively working with a thousand Because of course, as people get well and better, I might check in with them once or twice a year or if something comes up as opposed to that many Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the course of a month. Yeah. I guess this maybe sounds kind of sappy. I don't know if that's the right word, but I guess what I envision in talking to you and learning about it is that you said at one point the physical fitness trainer or the piano teacher or whatever, but I think of like the trainer who, you know, maybe not actively working with somebody now, but 
you know, calls up, Hey John, just wanted to check in with you. How are you feeling? Have you, are you staying on track? That type of Mm -hmm. thing, which, you know, it's kind of a motivation. It's a, I guess it's, it's a good feeling when you get that phone call to know, Hey, he actually cares about me. I wasn't just a, you know, a number that he worked with for an hour. And yeah, I guess that resonates. I'm going to ask a few things related to, I guess, more business related again, but call it ignorance. Is naturopathic medicine covered by OHIP? No, it's not. Um, That may change. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. Naturopathic medicine is usually covered by most extended employee health benefits, however, sometimes under the paramedical bracket. Um, Every plan differs. Some plans will also go as far to cover supplements and lab testing, which is fantastic. But I certainly do work with a lot of entrepreneurs like myself that don't have health benefits, but realize the immense value in taking care of their well-being so that they can keep doing what they are doing. Mm-hmm. So no, not covered by OHIP. That's where having a great family doctor in your corner is wonderful. And um, sometimes we've been able to leverage that relationship and maybe recommend some blood work. And the family doctor, if they're comfortable with it, will order some of those tests and thereby saving our clients some money. I am order able to order pretty much any blood work that we would need, as well as some additional what we call functional tests to rule out or to rule in food sensitivities or hormone imbalances much more in depth than our standard blood work. And that is typically out of pocket, but we always get the cost of that and the value so much more than what we've ever paid Mm -hmm. just having that information. Yeah. I think there's an analogy I've heard before where you could go buy a bicycle at a department store. You could go buy a bicycle at a bike shop and you might pay half as much at the a department store, but the other one lasts three times as long. Which one's a better value? Mm-hmm. One was a lower price point initially, but the one that lasted longer is definitely a better value. And uh, that's something I think in in my business, and I think in yours too. People have to see the value in it, you know, because it's there's not a tangible thing, but there is a value in it. Well, I told you I'm going to circle back to uh, a couple notes I made, and then I'll kind of start guiding towards the conclusion. Interesting. We had a, a, I guess, just in connection maybe with our conversation. I was having a conversation at a seminar with, uh, I guess, Manuel. I've had a training seminar, and anyways, the long and short is asked a question, and the question was, the number one indicators of somebody who's going to have a shortened life expectancy, mm-hmm. and of course, as a large insurance company, Manulife makes it their business to know these things. And so I would have thought cancer or something like that. And yet they said the two things that were the indicator, they're tied together as being male and diagnosed with diabetes under age 40. Mm. And so when I heard that, and then we have our conversation here, I think you, what you said at the beginning resonated that, you know, you, you might not know if what the work that you're doing prevents somebody from, you know, obesity leading to diabetes before age 40. But that's the number one indicator for a life insurance company of shortened life expectancy, which really, wow. And that's, that's amazing to think of too. I mean, if we think average male person, we know statistically that men are less likely to go to any doctor. Now, I have seen male patients that haven't seen a family doctor in over 16 years, but somehow find their way into my office and are willing to do the work. And uh, this one gentleman lost over 50 pounds in under a year. And he's cut his risk for heart disease and cancer and diabetes and cirrhosis in half. Like he's no longer candidate for those things. But then too, you think uh, somebody that's under age 40 and has type 2 diabetes, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. which is a lifestyle issue. So it's not just that you've got blood sugar and our insulin and our pancreas aren't quite communicating and responding. It's what are all the thousands, the myriads of decisions that led us there too. Are we getting adequate rest? What kind of other stress do we have in our body that's leading to inflammation, that is leading to poor digestion, that is leading to a hormone called cortisol to let that high stress response so that our body no longer responds to that? And one of the neat things about diabetes is that it is so absolutely preventable. And what many people may not know is when you have diabetes, 
it is almost entirely reversible. If you're on insulin, it's a lot harder. But if you're at the point where you're taking other medications that don't involve insulin, it is almost entirely reversible. So it's not that we're fated to be ill once we have a diagnosis either. It's that these things can turn around. And we also think from a, like a life insurance perspective, okay, you get this thing, um, you get cancer, you get heart disease, you get all these scary things that we campaign against. Um, so you better have a life insurance policy or you better have disability or critical illness insurance uh, and financially plan for this. But we also want to outlive these things. But are we health planning for this time when we are outliving too? Yep. I often think, okay, so somebody is planning ahead towards retirement and we could get in a long discussion about retirement itself and what that means. But let's say they're planning to a stereotypical retirement where at 65, I drop the mic and I walk off the stage and I'm retired. Now, what are you doing to actually be able to live a healthy life in retirement? You know, or are you, are you going to enjoy retirement or is the lifestyle that you had up to that point? Um, and that's something that I actually try to work with people on, not from a, uh, aspect that I'm going to provide them any sort of health advice, but Mm -hmm. that I'll try to encourage them to go out and get it um, or to think about it at least, because that's often the first thing is you got to come to that realization. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for my next question. It's just a curiosity of mine. So I'm going to fire it away anyways. And if, if you want to deflect it or we have to edit your answer out, then so be it. I see lots of people seemingly posting about plexus and it's supposed to contribute to gut health, I think. And anyways, any familiarity with that or is there any reputableness to it? Most of the people I see posting about it, I think it's, is it, maybe I'm calling it the wrong thing. Probiotics? It is supposedly a probiotic, but I think it's called Plexus is a specific one. A lot of the um, direct to consumer marketing, same as, uh, can't try to think of some other businesses like the Fit Body Bootcamp or the the uh, fitness coaching that you saw for a while. Anyway, so I have a few um, others in my social media circle that post about it. They have no medical training at all, and they're selling this stuff. And I'd saying, "Oh well, it's a miracle. It solves all these things." Okay, I don't know about this. You know, so. I'm actually not familiar with that, Brian. Um, I think. <laughs> From a business perspective, I know there's a number of uh, multi-level marketing companies that are out there, and I love that they hire people to do more personal development. Um, Many of them have a particular focus on uh, empowering women through business too, which is great. But uh, from a health perspective, I haven't looked at that particular product where I get hung up on some health companies is that one, what's the formula like? Are we looking at therapeutic quality ingredients, at therapeutic doses? Are there a lot of binders and fillers? I don't know. But I've seen clients come in and they say they feel great on this particular product. And we look and it's not the activated form of the vitamins. Or there's a lot of proprietary blends, which basically means that the the compounder or the the company that's supplying this product doesn't want to Uh, disclose what exactly is in here at what dose. And that makes me feel very sketched out because as a consumer, we have the right to know. And I think as soon as anybody starts to make or get in that headspace of, I want to improve my well-being or financial health or my relationships or physical fitness or whatever, we're almost priming ourselves to start to feel better, which is great. And then if we start to take a product that has even like a whisper of something good in it, or uh, it's an improvement on a diet that wasn't helpful, whether it's vegan or keto or paleo or gluten-free or or whatever, we're going to start to feel better if we're doing something that is at least sort of in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. while I can't comment on that product specifically, um, I would get my health advice from somebody that is being held accountable for what they say, that understands how the body physiologically works or energetically, or spiritually works, or whatever, and that you are in touch with to make sure that it is still serving you. Mm-hmm. And if that's that product, cool, but it also might not be, and we have to be open to that too. Yeah, well, I think you answered that well. So <laughs> I guess two final questions. 
you can string the answers together. This is my way of cheating and trying to make it one question when it's actually two. But anyways, what are the biggest challenges that you've had in the business and how did you overcome them? So that's the first half. The second's entirely unrelated, but I said I'm cheating because we're getting to the end here. Any books that you recommend that people, whether it's about business or about naturopathic medicine, any recommendations for people? Yeah. So one of the biggest challenges I initially felt as um, as a Leo, if we're following zodiac signs, or as a firstborn, or as a person that was always a, re- a perfectionist, we have this idea that I can do it. Nobody can else can do it as better as or as well as I can. And it's my bright baby. I'm going to do everything, which is entirely false. <laughs> People can be trained to do pretty much what you are doing, and. Uh, That is my first, I think, success tip, if you will, is if you are self-employed or if you're not, or if you're just doing your life, you are so much better off if you have an unfair advantage. And that unfair advantage might be a mentor. That can be a colleague that just gets you, that helps you fill in your gaps. And in my case, my unfair advantage is 100% my husband. I have a great family that were incredibly supportive and cheerleaders, but it's, my husband that is saying, you know, have you thought about this or maybe look at it this way? Because as business owners, we start to think that I have to do this. And -hmm. since then, I remember doing QuickBooks and pulling my hair out and doing it for hours and hours. I have a fantastic bookkeeper so that I can do that. I don't necessarily need to design all of my graphics. Somebody else can do that. So having an unfair advantage, someone that can keep you accountable or that can shore up your deficiencies because none of us is perfect and perfectly well-rounded. It's really good to capitalize on your strengths and then let other people fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to do it all, which brings me to kind of part two. I just finished reading a book called reading people. This is not like the book on naturopathic medicine or anything like that. And I forget who the author was, but it's a short little book. And what I loved about it is it goes over some of the more, most common kind of personality frameworks, like things like the Myers-Briggs fame framework or introverts versus extroverts on if you're a high sensitivity person or not. And it's a really neat way of looking at yourself and identifying your personality. And uh, with my personality type, I'm fascinated by what makes people tick as I can see you smiling and looking at me and nodding. What makes us tick? How are we wired? So I'm always looking at when I'm working with clients, what that is and what that personality type is and what's the best way to communicate with them and get on their level so that they get the information in a format that makes the most sense for them. Mm-hmm. So this book was a fantastic kind of easy to read, not super scientific, but a nice kind of Coles Notes versions of many of these things. But on that note, from a communication perspective, a tool that I use with all of my new patients, kind of as a screening tool that I recommend that many people look at for their businesses, for their employees, is the DISC communication. That's D-I-S-C. Are you familiar with it? Actually, my brother-in-law came home from some sales training with the information on disc assessments and stuff here like two days ago and we were sitting in the booth talking about it (laughs) and uh, he's like I bet you're here what were you Brian I don't remember the the, uh actually which one it was but uh yeah I was like I think so and then I recently took one it wasn't a disc but it was a similar assessment for a business coach that I'm working with and so he and when I was taking it, I quite frankly was like, these questions aren't going to tell them squat. But in the end... I see through it. I, I know what they're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And in the end, what it came out with, I was like, wow, that's pretty stinking accurate. I can't believe this. <laughs> so anyways, that wasn't a disc. but um, So I am somewhat familiar with it, but lightly. Yeah. No, it's a, a fantastic tool because... I mean, most of us are a little bit narcissistic. We like to know more about ourselves. And that's a classic thing. If you're in conversation with someone you don't know, like ask them about them, unless they're a total introvert, then it freaks them out. And uh, people love talking about themselves. And as a, a business owner or a health provider or someone that just wants to improve, to know yourself is an incredibly valuable 
gift and a tool, and it saves us so much heartache and back and forth so that we can get clarity on our goals and get to it instead of thinking about it and never really making that initial move. Mm -hmm. Well, I will put um, a link to in the show notes for that book, Reading People, and as well for information on the DISC assessment in the show notes as well. I'll put a link for your website. And I guess maybe one of my final question then is if people want to reach out to you, whether if they're interested in naturopathic medicine or learning more about your entrepreneurial journey, how can they get a hold of you? So the best would either be my Facebook page, which is simply my name, Keela Rosner ND or Keela Rosner Naturopathic Doctor, or my website, uh, which is KeelaRosnerND.com. If anyone's interested in learning more about how you can optimize your health so you can just be a badass at what you do in life, um, I do offer a complimentary health discovery session as well. And uh, that is absolutely available to all of your listeners. Very good. So I will put a link then to your Facebook page as well. And uh, that way, and that's actually how I reached out to contact you. So I can attest that she actually answers the messages. <laughs> so. I, I can't give out health advice via Facebook for a number of reasons, but uh, you certainly can get in touch with me that way. Very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. There's a lot of questions I think that I could answer yet, but I'm going to leave it there for the time being, but I do appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day. And, uh, yeah, I hope that uh, some people reach out and contact you, but more so just keep on what you're doing. It sounds like you're doing a good th- work down in Stratford. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. A lot of people are feeling well. All righty. I'm Brian. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Fields of Success podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please take a moment to share it with your friends and provide a review. As well, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please email Brian at podcast at seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. That's podcast at seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. If you would like further information about Brian's firm, Seed Time and Harvest Wealth Council of Manulife Securities Incorporated, please check out the website at www.seedtimeandharvestwc.ca. There you can find more information schedule a meeting, and check out the notes from this podcast episode. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.